What's going on, guys? Welcome inside another episode of Big Easy in the Big Apple. I'm your host, Chris Rosvoglu. You follow me on Twitter at Rosvoglu Report and on Instagram at Rosvoglu underscore report. And remember, you can always support this podcast on Anchor for as little as 99 cents a month. Gives you a bunch of cool perks like suggesting podcast topics, coming on the show to talk a couple of segments about the Saints, um, and a bunch of more features. Um, anyway, so if you want to and you, you feel like supporting the podcast, go ahead. It's always Greatly appreciated. But before I get into talking about the Saints, let me tell you about my morning, all right? I wake up. I'm excited. Saints win. Victory Monday. And you get to celebrate. You know it. I'm going for a haircut. And some guy on his phone while driving hits my car. And I'm telling you, dude, there's nothing worse and more frustrating. It's a victory Monday. The Saints just won. Can't you just let me enjoy my Monday? My Monday was almost ruined from that. Um, So that sucked. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It was a rough start to the morning. But... The good thing is, take away the whole aspect of what just happened for my morning, for you Saints fans, for all of you in Houdat Nation, it's a great Monday for you guys, because the reality is, not only did the Saints win, the Saints saw an amazing performance from Teddy Bridgewater. And I'm here for one thing right now. I'm going to talk about the defense later. I'm going to talk about Michael Thomas. I'm going to talk about the NFC South. I'll talk about all that in a little bit after the break. But right now, what I want to open this show with and talk about is Teddy freaking Bridgewater. I'm not here to say that Teddy Bridgewater is a great quarterback. I'm not a, I'm not here to say he's a star. I'm not here to say he's the next big thing. Teddy Bridgewater is a 26-year-old quarterback who has come into the perfect situation and he's seizing his moment. Okay? The man almost had his leg amputated. And he missed two years of football. He goes to the Jets, plays in a couple preseason games, and then Sean Payton and the Saints were smart enough to say, you know what? He's worth a third-round pick, which he certainly is. And get this. You let him sit a whole year. He learns behind Drew Brees. He's obviously technically sitting this year, too. Um, We all know that. The only reason he's in is because Drew Brees got hurt. But look at the return on your investment. They made him the highest-paid backup in football, $7.5 million, and he has earned every single penny and every game now is just him earning more than uh his contract says you know that you know what it means the saints have every right to bring back teddy bridgewater for next year and this is going to be uncomfortable for you guys to hear and you guys don't want to hear it and some of you are in denial about it and that's fine teddy bridgewater deserves at least a full season as the saints starter once the drew Brees era is over to prove that he could be the heir apparent And I know that bothers some of you, and we know why it bothers you guys, and I'm not going to mention it. Just be smart and understand why it bothers you. But what Teddy Bridgewater's accomplished over the last three weeks, winning in Seattle, granted didn't have a great game against Dallas, but did enough to lead the team to victory. And then you want to talk about who the star of the game was uh, this past Sunday. It was Teddy Bridgewater. 
314 yards, four touchdowns, albeit one interception, completed 26 of 34 passes for a quarterback rating of 131.2. So please spare me the BS that Teddy Bridgewater is a game manager and the team is just carrying him along for the ride. He's doing his part. And no one is denying when Drew Brees comes back, it's his team. We all know when Drew gets back, number nine's under center. But if the Saints didn't have Teddy Bridgewater, this season would have been over. It would have been over. And Teddy Bridgewater's come in. He's won all three starts. He's been just what the Saints needed. He's never too high. He's never too low. And his calming uh, persona, uh, persona is really what the Saints need. He comes in. It's like, yeah, we know Drew's down, but stay calm. I got this. And they and right now he does. And a lot of you guys were calling for Taysom Hill to be the starter. I personally was calling for about 10 snaps a game and maybe use Taysom a little more, but who needs him? Taysom's a nice gadget piece, but all those great things we heard about Taysom Hill, maybe Sean was just hiding what he felt about Teddy Bridgewater. And whether or not Teddy stays with the Saints after this year is still unknown. It obviously depends on what happens to Drew Brees. I'm going to throw this scenario out there. The Saints win the Super Bowl, and Drew says, you know what? got two rings. I've broken every record there is to break. I've made so many Pro Bowls. Granted, I haven't won an MVP, but that's just the NFL just, you know, being ridiculous as always. I'm one of the five greatest quarterbacks to play this game. I'm 40, I'm 40 years old, going to be 41 in January, and I'm saying, you know what? I just won a Super Bowl. I just came off an injury. Why not just call it quits here and, and retire? And you can't be mad if that happens. And if that does happen, Teddy's their guy. Teddy is their guy. I want to tell you guys what was going on. If you guys didn't catch it, Steve Weish did a um, an interview with Teddy Bridgewater. And he asked him about Miami and how the Dolphins offered him the starting job and why did he come back. And his first reason, the first thing out of Teddy's mouth was, why would I leave when I get to learn from Drew Brees? He gets it, man. And you guys could keep hating. You could keep saying he's a game manager. You could keep saying he doesn't make any big throws. But that same quarterback just threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns and one pick. And that was the same defense that just forced Jared Goff, who's the highest paid quarterback in terms of guaranteed money, into three interceptions. So you tell me what's going on here. If you want to say it's Sean Payton's system, then you're diminishing Drew Brees. So why don't we just come to grips here and admit Teddy Bridgewater's a good quarterback. He's not great. He's not Drew Brees. But is he Alex Smith? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because the Saints have a great roster. And Teddy's been the glue right now to hold them together until number nine comes back. So get over yourself. Get over this idea that Teddy hasn't done his job. He has. And a lot of you argue with me that, ah, it's, you know, the team's winning games. Yeah, the team's winning games, but who's the quarterback? Come on now. The Bears have a pretty good team. We can all agree on that, right? Guess what? The losing games with Trubisky, the losing games with Chase Daniel. What does that tell you? They got a good defense, a great defense, a really good head coach. They got offensive weapons, but they're losing football games. The Saints aren't losing football games. The one game they lost was the one that Drew Brees got hurt. And I'm not here to say Teddy Bridgewater is a superstar. I'm telling you, Teddy Bridgewater is good enough. He's only 26. He's good enough to be the next guy after Drew Brees. And some of you will never accept it, and that's fine. But Sean Payton knows it. The Saints know it. Drew Brees knows it. 
You know, I see everyone talks about these quarterbacks and the great throws they make, and, and I love watching guys like Mahomes. Teddy Bridgewater, after every good drive, is on the sideline studying the film with Drew Brees. He gets it. You don't have to be the flashiest guy in the room. You need to be the smartest guy in the room. Teddy Bridgewater has done what few can imagine. And honestly, outside of Nick Foles, who's, who's done what he's done over the last couple of years? Coming in, replacing a star quarterback, and you know the pressure's on because it's a good team and you need a win, and you're doing your job. A lot of Saints fans said, Teddy, can you win us three games? Win three out of six. He's won three out of three so far. Anything after that's just gravy. So let's just be real with each other. Let's be honest and just admit, Teddy Bridgewater has been great for the Saints. And his numbers are never going to wow you, although yesterday they did, and that's the exception. But we're talking about a 26-year-old who, three, I believe, three seasons ago was a Pro Bowl quarterback who led the Vikings to the playoffs and nearly beat Russell Wilson in a playoff game. Gotta sometimes come to grips with what's in front of your face. And what I loved most about Teddy, and I think this just, it reminded me of Drew, and no, he's not Drew Brees, but it reminded me of Drew. Teddy threw that pick. Granted, we could blame Alvin Kamara, whatever, hit him on the numbers, or you know, threw him on the back hip, whatever side of the story you want to take, threw a pick. After that, he was lights out. Three touchdowns after that. Um, I'm sorry, four touchdowns after that. He just played fantastic football. And he was resilient. He knew after he made that mistake, there was no more, you know, room for uh, you know, the, the margin for error was, was going down and he couldn't make any more errors. And he played a clean football game. And the other thing that we have to understand about Teddy, which makes the situation so special. Similar to Drew, his football career was in doubt. And the one team that took a chance on him, the New Orleans Saints. If Teddy went to Miami, Teddy's career would be over. He'd look bad around a, you know, a team that's trying to lose games and then blame him. He's in New Orleans now. And whether he gets, stays with the Saints or finds another team next year, Teddy's going to get paid. He deserves it. Um, my, I tip my cap to Teddy. I've been supporting him from day one when the Saints had him in there. I was happy when they made that trade for him. I'm, I'm going to continue to be happy about it. Um, what a special, special game from a special guy who is a great teammate, a great leader, and he's showing that he could be a good quarterback too. And Drew's happy about it. Sean's happy about it. Why can't the fans all be happy about it? Rally around your quarterback. Be like the fans in the Dome that were chanting Teddy. Be like that. And uh, just support him the rest of the way because this Saints team's a special team and they could very well win a Super Bowl this year. And if they do... And it's number nine leading the charge. Just remember, number five won them those three important games against the Buccaneers, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks. Two out of the three look like playoff teams. The other, not a bad divisional opponent. Um, but anyway, guys, just come on. Let's support Bridgewater and, and let's give him all the, the backing that he needs. He's shown that he can hold this team together and he's done a great job. Now, when I come out of the break, we're going to talk about Michael Thomas, why he's worth every penny. We're going to talk about that defensive line, how they just took over that game in the second half. And I'm also going to look at the NFC South, an updated picture on where they stand in the division, where the Saints stand in the NFC as a conference, um, because this team has a good chance to go for a bye like they did last year through the first five weeks of the season. It kind of looks that way. Um, but we're going to talk about all that right after this short message.
And welcome back inside Big Easy in the Big Apple. Christmas Roglu talking with you about Saints and only Saints football. And before I get into the next couple subjects I want to break down before this podcast episode uh, wraps up, I want to just tell you guys to be on the lookout for an interview with Trey Hendrickson. I'm currently in the works um, with picking out a date with him. Obviously, I'll ask him about the injury and all that so we can get an update on his status. But stay tuned for that. Can I have an interview on that? Also, I'm going to have an interview with Saints Super Bowl champ and former team captain and great right tackle Zach Streif. That's going to come around Wednesday, so I'll let you guys know on Twitter when that's all going to come out. Those are two interviews worth looking for uh, and tuning into, and I'll appreciate the support, as always, from you guys. Now, let's get into it. Let's talk about another player who rose to the challenge on Sunday, Michael Thomas. Let me tell you something about Michael Thomas, man. The whole damn offseason, we had to hear, why the Saints pay him? Oh, is he that good? He just had 11 receptions for 182 yards and two touchdowns while Mr. Mike Evans was held to zero catches. I sat on the couch and I had as many catches as Mike Evans on Sunday. You sat on the couch and had as many catches as Mike Evans on Sunday. Michael Thomas, on the other hand, no, just a cool 11 catches for 182 yards and two scores. Michael Thomas is something else, man. Is he better with Drew Brees? Sure, because it's a better quarterback-wide receiver combo. But Teddy's learned quickly. Just force feed 13 and he'll get the job done. He's so good. And I know you guys are begging and saying, trade for Diggs, trade for Emmanuel Sanders. Get all that talk out of here. Yeah, sure, the Saints can use a role player. They don't need another superstar wide receiver when they got arguably the best wide receiver in football. Okay? Hopkins struggled yesterday. Julio struggled yesterday. I don't hear anyone criticizing them, but when Mike T struggles for one game, the whole world comes out and celebrates. Why? Because they don't respect greatness. And that's what Michael Thomas is. That's what he's going to continue to do. And Michael Thomas has proven through the first five weeks of the season, granted four, three and a half have been without Drew, he was worth every freaking penny the Saints gave him. Five-year, $100 million don't look so bad when you're catching the ball 11 times for you know, a buck 82 and two scores. And you know that Tampa Bay was saying, don't let Michael Thomas beat you. Don't let Michael Thomas beat you. Well, guess what? He beat them, and he beat them thoroughly on Sunday afternoon. And it wasn't just Michael Thomas. It was someone who every Saints fans criticize. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. Jared Cook. Welcome to the show. Jared Cook was great on Sunday. I know he dropped the third down. You guys wanted back. I know him and Teddy were, you know, there was a little miscommunication on a fade route towards the corner of the end zone in the first quarter. Jared Cook, four catches for 41 yards and a score. Anytime there was a one-on-one situation, he looked great. And I think John Payton's learned that now. Get him out in space. Let's stop using him down the seams. That's not where he's best. Let's use him out on the numbers. Let him go to work. That slant for a touchdown where he just bullied the defensive back, that's what you got to do with Jared Cook. He's a big guy. They don't make many six foot five tight ends that run as fast as he do as he does, but he, you know, he does it well. So hats off to Cook. Hats off to Michael Thomas. More importantly, hats off to the defense again stepping up. I can go rave about Marshawn Lattimore, but I did that last week. And Marshawn Lattimore was even better this week. Holding Mike Evans to no catches. But how about getting six sacks on Jameis Winston? Two from Marcus Davenport, so that should quiet the haters. One from Cam Jordan. One from Sheldon Rankins. One from Malcolm Brown. And one from Carl Granderson. This D-line's loaded, man. It is loaded. I was talking about this with Andrew from Houdat Discussion. Um, And if you haven't checked out his podcast, you guys should. We're talking about this D-line. I said, I think it's the deepest unit in football because you got Cam, who's a stud. Carl Granderson's coming into his own. Marcus Davenport is an emerging superstar. 
Malcolm Brown has been such a good pickup for them. Sheldon Rankins is just getting back into form after two games. Anyamata is a heck of a player. You got Mario Edwards, who's going to continue to get better. And Trey Hendrickson missed this game with a neck injury. I'm talking about seven guys, seven, eight guys I can just throw at you. Not a lot of D-lines can do that. I know we all get enamored by the idea of Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald, but the Saints, they don't have, you know, that. Cam Jordan's that guy for them. He's that, you know, great player. But no one talks about the rest of the group, and the rest of the group is holding their own. And the days of double-teaming Cam Jordan are long gone now because if you do, Davenport's going to get you, or Rankins is going to get you, or Onyemata, or Malcolm Brown, or Trey Hendrickson. They come at you in so many ways. And late in that game, especially the fourth quarter, the Bucs thought they could make a run. That D-line closed that game out. I mean, they just put Winston in the turf time and again. And and I honestly, I'm never going to feel bad for Jameis Winston. But there was a point where I'm like, he's got two seconds to throw this ball. If not, he's in the turf. And I know people called Jameis Winston out for that Bush League move where he kind of grabbed Cam Jordan's face back and pushed him to the uh, floor. Look, Cut to Jameis some slack. If I got six sacked six times like that and I was getting my ass beat, I might do something stupid like that. And I, granted, it was, a, it was a Bush League mood from Winston. Who cares? Because the D-line had his number. And after that play, when it happened, Cam Jordan just got up and he did his, you know, level celebration because he don't care. He's not going to get a stupid penalty for Jameis Winston being, you know, a cheap player like he is. He's just going to go about his business. He's going to sack Jameis Winston. They're going to move on. And that's the end of the story. But this defense, man, I'm telling you, that D-line in particular, one of the best in football. One of the best. And they continue to shine, and they will continue to do that week in, week out. And you see it happened in the Dallas game. Saw it in the Dallas game. You saw it yesterday, and we're going to continue to see it happen. They wear offensive lines out. Second half, I mean, that D-line gets going like crazy because that offensive line can only hold up for so many freaking minutes. But, man, I'm telling you, Gotta respect the defense. Gotta respect the Saints defensive line. It's been fantastic. Now, before I wrap up the show, let's just look at the NFC South. Let's talk about it. Got the Saints at 4-1 in first place. You got the Panthers 3-2, 3-0 under Kyle Allen. Now, I'll tell you what, the Panthers are 3-0 under Kyle Allen. A lot of people are saying, oh, he's better than Cam. Is he though? I mean, if you're just handing off the ball to McCaffrey and that's how you're winning games, does your quarterback make that much of a difference? I don't know. So I think unlike the Saints, the Panthers are going to have a legit controversy because Cam's you know injured and, and Cam wasn't good before the injury. So you got to wonder what's going on. Whereas obviously when Brees comes back, you know it's his team. Panthers are going to be in trouble there. And how about the Bucs? I think it's the same old Bucs. New Year, same old Bucs. I think Bruce Arians is a better coach and he's going to have them flirting with a 7-9, 8-8 record. But Winston can't, you know, he can't sustain good play. So that's what the game comes down to. And as for the Falcons, I mean, dude, they're one and four. Colin Coward and those boys had them winning the division. One and four. I I don't understand. And and I'm look, I'm happy the Falcons are one and four. How does a team that talented go one and four? They got a good defense, or at least on paper they do. Got a good running back, got a good quarterback, got three good wide receivers. Dan Quinn's not making it through the season, I'll tell you guys that much. But the Saints have a one-game lead over the Panthers, two-game lead over the Bucs, three-game lead over the Falcons. Shaping out really nice right now, and you just got to keep stacking wins. As for the rest of the NFC, Packers are 4-1. and You got to look out for them. And then other than that, you got Seattle 4-1, and but they've beat Seattle already, so they hold the tiebreaker. And you got 
uh, San Francisco's 3-0 going to play tonight against the Browns. If Even if they move to 4-0, the Saints play them later in the year. You might be able to get the edge there. So the Saints have a legitimate chance when all hope looked lost three weeks ago to be in the running for a top seed in the NFC this season if all holds well and they continue on this pace. But it's a great team. Uh, let's just see what they do on Sunday against the Jaguars. I will have my preview out sometime this week. It'll probably be shuffled around because of the interviews, like I mentioned, with Hendrickson and Zach Streif. But I'll keep you guys posted on Twitter and Instagram for the next episode. Until then, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow.